Hello, and welcome to the fifth season of Something Rotten. Blake, can you believe that we've made it fifth se- five seasons already? What listeners at home probably don't know is we've recorded three seasons in two months. Hey, they know that. We're we're hitting them out of the park. We're just going, going, going. We're on that hustle mindset. We're grinding. Startup culture, you know. Hustle. That's Hustlers right. University, whatever. On, on this series in particular, we are we are going to take that hustle mindset. We're going to prestige with it. Oh, we're going to get it all the way up to prestige ten because we are covering Call of Duty. They said they would never do it, uh, and yet here we are talking about well, Call of Duty for Modern Warfare. What's interesting is I do think the next Call of Duty we're going to talk about, which is World at War was one of our more requested games which surprised me and was the impetus to do it. it's that one and that 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 ps2 right. game the punt not the punished what is it not the dark uh you know what i'm talking the, about like the, yeah i know what you're talking about i don't remember that game <laughs> it's that one and then world at war so here we are doing neither of those but we'll get to world at war in two weeks i think it's interesting just to you know pull, pull back the curtain on our decision making process a little bit of being like well we you know, previously we have done kind of series. Yeah. We did both Kane and Lynch's. We did both Manhunts. We did both Darknesses. Call of Duty obviously has four billion games, and but but it didn't seem particularly hard for us to decide. You know, if we're doing World at War, why not also do Modern Warfare? And I guess what's your having now played half of this game for the pod? Like, do you think we were we right? Like, is this a is this a something rotten game? Because I certainly have things to talk about with it. Um, well, first off, that game was called The Suffering, by the way. Uh, <laughs> That's right. A nuke, you get caught in a nuclear explosion, which is enough material for this, for a something rotten episode, as far as I'm concerned. So, yes, I do mm-hmm. think, you know what? Between this and the AC-130, you know, that fits the bill. We're going to have enough to talk about. I do think this is a rotten game, if not immediately on the surface. Yeah, you know, because it's like in future Call of Duties... There are more torture scenes. There are more kind of like overt violence. And we are certainly going to get into some of that with World at War. But this one is this really interesting, like the rottenness is uh, the core of the military industrial complex. Like that is that is the kind of rotten that this game is talking about. And I, confession time, have never played this campaign. What? I... I'm familiar with with parts of it, as you kind of have to be as, you know, a gamer in the current year. But like playing this, I realized there are a lot of missions that I was like, nope, didn't know this was in here. Never heard anyone talk about this, Uh, you know, so there were there were surprising moments for me. Okay, hold on. Then this blows my mind. Uh, Tell me Mm -hmm. up front then. What are you thinking? Because this is the Genesis point. You know, Resident Evil 4 reviews just dropped another Genesis point. This is like the FPS Genesis point for the modern era. What do you think? It's... Let me me use use an analogy here. Uh, When when I first saw the movie Aliens, I was like, why does everyone talk about how, like, revolutionary this movie is? This is just all this bullshit space marine stuff that I've seen a million times. And then I realized... This was the aliens was the movie yeah. that created all of those tropes. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel playing this is like it is almost unbelievable how fully formed 
the Call of yep. Duty, like, modern warfare aesthetic is here. That That essentially, other than the graphics... If this was just the next one that came out basically unchanged, mm-hmm. it would not like like the format would work. The loading screens are there, the kind of storytelling, the way the characters talk to each other, like it's all there from the first time and it's just blowing my mind how like how they just kind of figured it out and they've kept that formula for the next 15 years so this is my second time playing call of duty the first time i played it was actually only 2019 i think i had played like Mm -hmm. the multiplayer at friend's house but that doesn't count um i remember i played it because game informer actually where i now work but this was a year before i worked there they did not a deepest dive whatever ben ben called it when he worked uh just game club right maybe yeah he did one on call of duty and i played it and it coincided with it being ps plus game so i downloaded it and i was like this game you know what it fucking rocks i think this game rules and so i was really excited to replay it for this jacob i think this game is so goddamn boring (laughs) i i have completely flipped in just a couple years it's not like i had that any nostalgia for it like i only played a few years ago I am bored to tears by this damn game, and I don't know what changed in that short amount of time for me. It's crazy. That is that is really interesting. I mean, because it's, yeah, what's, well, one, what's kind of interesting is that in this first half, there are a lot of levels that uh, have not happened yet yeah. that I just know of through cultural relevancy, because I feel like probably other than the nuke, and maybe even surpassing the nuke, the most famous part of this the campaign is the all gillied up and one shot, one kill thing. You know, it's like whenever you see a picture of COD 4 or whenever like someone has B-roll of it, it is that mission, you know? And and so like I was kind of surprised to find that that mission isn't in the first half of the game. And instead, what there is 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 a lot of yeah, it's especially those American levels, you know, when when you're playing as the American troops and it's a very, you know, it's very Black Hawk down, you know, but it's just like there are so many goddamn guys yeah. that you need to kill in all of these missions. And it really is like, yeah, you know, again, I think it's set the formula, but it's you know, I think that I, I, I'm interested if you have a take on kind of like whether the modern Call of Duties are now more, you know, more interesting or less boring. Mm. Like, did you play Modern Warfare 2, the new Modern Warfare 2? Yeah, I didn't finish it. No. So, like, I is dear listener, I'm a massive Call of Duty fan, but almost exclusively multiplayer and Warzone. And by and large, I don't like the campaigns of Call of Duties, except for I liked this one and weirdly Vanguard, the one everyone hated, I thought was pretty cool. That's the what the World War Two one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That came out twenty twenty one, I think. Um, so, like in general, I just think the campaigns are like at their most basic, functionally fun. You know, like in a feels good to click on dudes type of way, but never very interesting to me, and often narratively pretty abhorrent. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think they got more interesting. I think a lot of people would say they probably did, but like, I certainly don't like any of the new modern warfare's. I don't even like the original Modern Warfare Two. 
Um, I have never played the Black Ops, except for one of the new ones. So maybe I would like those. I don't know. Blake, you know what the real villain of Metal Gear Solid is? Yeah, nuclear proliferation. Okay, yeah, but... Oh, oh, you mean giant sick robots. No, I was going... Oh, you meant the controls for the sniper rifle. No, Blake, the real villain of Metal Gear Solid is a lack of data security. You're just saying that because we're being sponsored by NordVPN. Think about it, man. People are constantly getting one over on Snake because his codec is, like, wide open and anyone can listen in. I feel like you're making this sound dumber by connecting it to that game. The fact is, VPNs should just kind of be part of your internet infrastructure at this point. It actually is for me, and not just because I'm smarter than Solid Snake. Uh I've used VPNs when traveling to different countries so I could continue working like I was still at home in the U.S. I've also used them when doing research for my videos, or even for this show, because believe it or not, Blake, there's still a lot of websites that feel pretty unsafe to be on. No way. Using NordVPN, I know I'm not going to pick up some tracker or malware or something, you know. Snake, he could have used... I'm just going to interrupt to tell our listeners that when they sign up with our code, nordvpn.com slash rotten, they'll get bonus months on top of an annual plan. You don't need to make it about video games, Jacob. This is just something that normal adults who listen to our show should use. Also, there's a full 30-day money-back guarantee, so if they decide they don't want it for some reason, it's no big deal. You're right. I shouldn't lean on Snake to make logical advertising pitches. Be a functioning adult and just visit nordvpn.com slash rotten to get our special offer and protect yourself online. Was that so hard? Colonel? VPN? Nord? <laughs> I think what what I'm getting from this game, because I did not have the same experience of, of thinking they were uninteresting, but I kind of had, like, you know, uh... You know the Fast and the Furious franchise, our our favorite favorite movie Whoa, franchise, and then like Fast hold and on. Furious. Don't say our favorite. I've never seen a Fast and Furious. Okay, well maybe this analogy won't work for you then. But you know, in the in the uh, ninth Fast and Furious movie, they go to space in a Hell car yeah. and they they like drive into a satellite in their car in space. Um, in and in the first Fast and Furious, it is a movie about like selling bootleg DVD players. Right. You know, and and it it kind of feels, this almost feels going back, that it is kind of walking backwards, but even, it's like Modern Warfare 2 had a space, like, in Modern Warfare 2, you played as an astronaut and got, like, blown away, so the series got so absurd, so fast, and you can definitely see some of that here, but it is also a little more, a little more measured, um, and there's actually there's there's some some like interesting pre-production stuff that explains in part why that is. But I, you know, it is it is like reading a famous author's first book yeah. or seeing a big director's first movie where like you can see so many elements of their style. But also there is this kind of interesting uh, rawness maybe here that is like totally not present in i don't know the later games in the series this is this is an aside and probably not going to go anywhere very important but i think me playing this this week is also a casualty of me playing two games taking some pretty big swings or at least doing cool things and that's obviously the re4 remake but also chia which i'm just smitten with and so going to call uh-huh. of duty where it's like i just have to enter this battle arena and it's brown and i'm just gonna pop and shoot for a while 
as like it just is not standing the test of time or just this week for me because I'm playing two games where I'm like this is interesting mechanically and visually in a way that Call of Duty is uh, not I would say though I'm playing the remaster and it does look great um yeah that's and that's we should we should uh state that right off the bat is i am playing the original mm-hmm. original release on pc so i'm still running it at like 4k yeah. but it's you know it's the 2007 one and you are playing the remaster which came out in what year? 2018 or 19 i think yeah 20 uh 2016 oh interesting according to wikipedia okay um yeah but i did i mean i watched some comparison videos and it is Strike there is, yeah. there are some interesting differences yeah. you know both just you know vi- like like the textures and the lighting is different but also like they have changed animations you know in, in a way that I find kind of fascinating like we're, we're jumping we're jumping right to the end here but like when the nuke goes off there is way more kind of action hero stuff in the remaster uh. where like in the in the original it's spinning and a guy flies out of the helicopter and then you crash in the remaster, it's spinning, and a guy is, like, flying out of the helicopter, and you, like, jump, and you're, like, grabbing on to him as the helicopter's spinning, and then you, like, let go, and he flies out. And so it's, like, there's there's more money, and there's more animation work yeah. behind it, but it's one of those things of, like, does this actually make it better, or does this just make it uh, more involved? Yeah. And it's, I, I don't think I have the answer to let's, that. Let's get into the, the production of this game, and be... Uh, at the yeah. top, want to shout out the YouTuber Reykjavik. Reykjavik? I'm not sure mm-hmm. how to pronounce it. Um, who went through the trouble, at least by their own uh, record here, saying, you know, there's just like not a ton of information about how this game was made out there. And they seem to have done an exhaustive amount of research, pulling all the disparate little nuggets together into one and made a great video. Yeah, I mean, Reykjavik is is a, a very cool YouTuber. Yeah. We've talked a couple of times. Yeah. I, I like the videos that he puts out. But yeah, he had a great uh, pre-production thing on it that we're going to reference a ton. The other thing, though, that we're going to reference a ton is I did have in my office yes, the original Game Informer right. cover story of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which came out, uh, it was June 2007 was this issue this is the importance of physical media in the world doing a podcast like this being able to Blake. oh no whoa that's a I, I just i that. randomly opened it to a page which was a feature on resident evil 4 coming to that's Wii. So, good. so really all of all of the moments of our life just just collided in 2007 Jacob, <laughs> as two humans that have to do a lot of research sometimes into mm-hmm. things that aren't immediately uh accessible online is there a better feeling than knowing in your personal library we'll call it you have the thing that will have the answers you need for what you're working on oh it's so it's so good i mean i've looked and not been able to find other ones where i've been like i'm sure there was a cover story on that i mean there's there's a preview for the darkness in this issue that that i wish that i had read before even though it doesn't actually have any particularly interesting information but yeah it is just it's so fascinating and being reminded not just what's going on with cod 4 but the whole industry around that and kind of what you know what what games media was like at the time i mean there is 
I don't know if this is still in physical Game Informer magazines. Um, there's an enlistment ad for the Marines here and a little card uh, that you can cut out and send in to just join the Marines. I, I, I Unfortunately, admitting this on the air, I don't get our print. <laughs> I don't get our print magazine, so I have no clue what ads are in there. I hope we don't have any for the military, but I have no clue um the top reviewed game in this issue is super paper mario for the wii which is a great game uh also mortal kombat armageddon came out raymond raving rabbits oh a classic did you Um, call him raymond yeah raymond raving rayman no ray rayman the the video game yeah you were calling raymond it's rayman you say Rayman Raving Rabbits? Yeah, Rayman. <laughs> I, I think it's Raymond Raving Everyone Rabbids. loves Rayman? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying when you say when you say that title, you kind of... All Listeners, right. write this in is... somethingrottenpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know who's pronouncing this shit right. <laughs> so funny um but anyway so while this does not have you know that magazine is giving us what the developers wanted to tell Game Informer right. about the development of Call of Duty 4. But what I found really interesting in it is, again, it's like like COD 4 has so heavily influenced what we think of as modern military shooters that you just forget things that like weren't taken for granted before mm-hmm. it. You know, and like that's reading reading them. I mean, they said this is just like a thing where they said like um, uh, Call of Duty's classic aim down sights system, yeah. and it was like, oh, okay, that was Call of Duty's thing. You know, I know you could aim down sights in other games before that, but just thinking of like, oh, you know, Call of Duty, the first person shooter where you can aim down the right. sights, which is now true of every single game that's come out for the last ten years, except crucially Halo, yeah, and uh, Doom. Yeah, Wolfenstein. Well, Wolfenstein, you can aim down the sights, oh, okay. but you don't have to. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about Infinity Ward, I guess, a little. Yeah. The, so they came from like they they had worked on previously. They were pr- pr- the lineage of Infinity Ward is they came from one of EA's internal uh, studios working on Medal of Honor, and a, I guess there was an exodus of sorts. Vince Sampella, Jason West, and one other founder left to start their own venture and as which is funny given their future right exodus. right right you know they're they're a studio that does exoduses so they had left and i think for a while there was like an idea that they would continue working on medal of honor and maybe they did have some pitches for an allied assault sequel which they had worked on under ea but they were quickly purchased by activision and basically like hey that thing you made in the past you worked on medal of honor make a game to kill that and the original call of duties working title was like mhk medal of honor killer which i think is mm-hmm. just fun when you hear I, uh, not to not to hand it to the corporations i do sometimes like the cattiness that goes on internally oh sure and then and we'll talk about another killer yeah, yeah. In, in a little bit have you do you have any experience with the original call of duty uh, you mean like uh would you include two in that sure or but... just like no i actually i played medal of honor like that was a game that like my friend we would play like split screen ps2 multiplayer medal of honor on on his ps2 but uh but no i really i don't think i've ever touched cod one or two back in back when i was a kid my dad was like pretty into pc games he worked at kinko's and there was a guy that would burn games onto 
CDs all the time, you know, back mm-hmm. when you could do that pretty easily. Oh, yeah. I, I Look, I did that from the library, yeah. burning Lego racers onto a CD. Oh, dude, we had burnt CDs of, like, Max Payne, Max Payne 2, Grand Theft Auto, all of them. Oh, uh, that, that's that's the difference in our evolution, is yeah. I was playing Lego racers <laughs> and you were playing Max Payne 2. Dude, shouts out to No One Lives Forever. Great game. Um, Anyway, I remember him get, getting Call of Duty, and we, we had probably read about it in, like, PC Gamer or something, because we were always getting, like, gaming magazines from the little free public library. Shouts out to the LFPL. Um, but Call of Duty, dude, it hit my house like a ton of bricks. My dad was like, you're not gonna fucking believe this shit. A tank drives through a wall in front of you. And it was, like, it was mm-hmm. genuinely mind-blowing. Like, in, in a way that I think really set the Call of Duty DNA earlier than we're even pointing to where it's like the, yes. the bombast was there in 2002 2003 like very early yeah the the bombast and the the polish yeah you know of just being again like medal of honor its own interesting history was essentially made to be like hey what if we could make a movie that felt like the opening of saving private ryan you know like it was it was this very concentrated effort to make a cinematic war game yeah and then call of duty upped the ante on that by by really pushing the 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 bombast and the cinematicness and those kind of scripted events happening all over the place you know almost almost half-life-esque yeah. you know that it was like you're still in first person and it's just happening it's funny too the way history shook out the medal of honor just kind of like fizzled out and died when that was the yep. one that had the hollywood uh association back in the day because steven spielberg was like he was tied to it for sure. I don't know if it was an executive yeah. producer or whatever it was. But... No, and then he said, I'm going to make boom blocks. And He said, Medal of Honor, I'm done with you. Time to make boom blocks. He should, if he was smart, he would have made Roblox. <laughs> Steven, we got to talk. Yeah, back that one up, Steven. Um, so, yeah, so they make they make Call of Duty. It's a it's a hit, but it's only, it's only a PC game, yeah. right? The original Call of Duty. I believe so. Then... Uh, as as Brasevic, you know, finds in his research, even for Call of Duty Two, they wanted to make a modern game. They wanted they wanted to bring it into the current day. They wanted it to be modern warfare. But the choice that they were kind of presented with was, hey, you know what? If you want, you can make a modern warfare game. You can make another PC game. Do whatever you want. But Xbox needs a big next-gen title. X- Xbox needs, like, Microsoft wants something because Halo 3 is not going to be a launch title for the 360 anymore, and so they need something. And so they made the choice, and and Microsoft, I guess, just didn't want a modern shooter. They wanted another World War II thing because that was what was proven or, you know, what they thought people wanted or whatever. Um, and so essentially, Infinity Ward made this compromise where they said, okay, we want, we want to make a modern one, but we'll make another, you know, world war two shooter for you because we will get Xbox 360 dev kits yeah. early and we will be, we will be in on next gen. And, you know, for, for a studio that had previously only been making PC games, that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, like the way, they had the right idea and they just couldn't sell their owners on the right idea. Because I remember back then, and it's touched on in the video, like the idea of the consumer, I guess, to use that term, like being so over World War II. Right. 
being like very prevalent and yet they kept coming out and it was funny watching that video and hearing the history being like they were act one of the big world war ii studios was like actively being like no we need to push this into the modern day and it just like not mm-hmm. painting out for five years for him. Yeah, though I think I mean it's like you know, Raisevic correctly pointed out that people were tired of of uh, World War Two, but also uh, COD Two was a enormous hit. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in the in the Game Informer article, they they say it was the most played game on Xbox Live for a year. You know, so it's like, which is now something that we kind of take for granted with Call of Duty is that it's going to be the most played game at any given time. But, you know, in the in the series infancy, online multiplayer just kind of coming into the spotlight and prior to the game's whole like RPG multiplayer thing, which, again, is another thing that started with COD 4, uh, it was still uh you know burning the house down in terms of just like raw numbers so eventually they got to make the modern game though and yeah but but this is also where treyarch comes right, in right right because something something else interesting that that i i hadn't realized is that prior to call of duty 3 the only cods not made by infinity ward had essentially been the like expansions or spin-offs yeah. like big red one you know like that was not an infinity ward game but, you know, when they were like, these are going to come out yearly, uh, hire another studio, or we're going to hire another studio. So Treyarch makes COD 3, which, while it sold well, really had people being like, okay, we get it, yeah, yeah. World War Two, come on. Um, yeah, so that, you know, and, and now the cycle of different Call of Duties being made by different developers... Again, a very well-known thing. Everyone kind of knows, like, oh, this is an Infinity Ward one, or whatever... But back then, again, it it kind of started with COD Four. I know that we there have been two recent ish World War Two Call of Duties, um, Vanguard and the other one. Maybe it was just called World War Two. I mean, the other one's just called World War Two. Yeah. Do you kind of miss World War Two games at this point, though? Like, I kind of miss them. I wish we got more. Uh no, I don't think so. I think what what bugs me about those is that um they play exactly like modern Call sure, of Duties sure, sure, sure. where it's like everyone is just running around with what are essentially assault rifles yeah. and SMGs. And and I wish you know, I, I I wish there was a little more commitment to making it like slow yeah. and like like ponderous. You know, there are those there are those like multiplayer games that people really love that are like really coordination based our, our friend mitch yeah. is really into one of them but i can't hell, remember what that all, game's called uh, hell breaks loose or whatever yeah uh yes and and those sound interesting but i no i i don't i don't particularly miss world war ii i do bring them back do a new one send me onto the beaches of normandy and all that ps5 glory do do a new one blake on world war ii that's right uh, make it just like the Michael McCromance Ghost of You music video, the greatest piece of World War II cinema. You ever seen that music video? We'll talk about it in the bonus episode. I'll bring it up then. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So so they start doing this. They they finally after making COD two, they get permission to work on on Modern Warfare. One interesting note that I again I it just is just so funny is that Infinity Ward had a small team working on something 
that was codename HK or Halo Killer, where they had they had like a little group who was kind of just doing concept art and stuff for like a sci-fi shooter game. And so, you know, maybe maybe they thought, well, if we just have to keep making uh, World War Two games, we can make this sci-fi thing on the side. But then when Modern Warfare started, it was such a huge project yeah. that the Halo Killer team was basically absorbed back into it the infinity ward proper and uh we never heard of that game again there's an interesting note about the first iterations of modern warfare one that apparently you can play a lot of it if you have access to an 360 dev kit which is not expanded mm-hmm. upon in the video beyond just saying you can do it if you can get this dev kit and i'm like fucking how bro <laughs> like explain this is the most interesting part of the video but what race of it talks about again thank you for making this video it helped us a lot um is the early iterations infinity ward apparently found too boring um and they ended up like scrapping a lot of levels and adding new ones into it well and and it seems like the parts that they found too boring are i would say the parts that we find more interesting yeah you know because it was it was essentially like the quieter uh sas missions or whatever you know that that they the only ones that they said they kept were uh the original boat one the ac130 level and then one other level that i don't remember um but yeah then they they kind of went back and there were also there are criticisms of call of duty 2 that it was essentially too too all out all the time you know that it was just this this just kind of non-stop in your face explosion fest and so you know cod 4 did bring back pacing but it sounds like they kind of overdid it, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of the really hectic American levels, it seems like, were added after they decided the game was not uh, explosive enough. And I'd say those more hectic levels are the actually the most boring levels in the game. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but there is, I mean, the, again, some interesting stuff in that Game Informer article that is uh, quite familiar to people who have now spent, uh, you know, the better part of our lives hearing about Call of Duty, uh, they said they made up a war so it wouldn't have to be political, which is just, you know, bingo square right in the middle. That's a free space if you're talking yeah. about Call of Duty. Um, We've all, they, as Americans, we all view the Russians apolitically. They're not our enemy then and not definitely not now. Yeah, and and or the the ambiguous Middle Eastern people that you're shooting through most of this game. Did you know the Middle East, just at any given time, Jacob, is in all-out war constantly, and we need to go fix it? Yeah, you know, all of their cities are just complete rubble. Yeah. And no one actually lives there. It's just all enemy combatants. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they said they said they wanted to make one up because, you know, setting it, setting it in Iraq, Afghanistan, would have both uh, been too political. And people have, like, an idea of what combat looks like there. And uh, Grant, Grant Collier said when people hear modern warfare is that driving in a humvee until an ied blows your tire off then people shoot at your humvee and you shoot back at them and they run away strangely enough that's not infinity ward style combat so we are creating a robust enemy that is going to give the western powers a run for their money and what i find interesting about that quote is essentially him acknowledging that uh not just would a real war be too political but uh, it would be so absurdly lopsided in favor of the Western powers that it like almost wouldn't be fun to play. And so they create a fictional one because like 
that there has to be a game there, and if you were actually doing the things that people were presumably doing in real wars, uh, then it would be just boring, which I think is is uh, really interesting given how much the series talks about how they talk to real veterans and they like it this is just like what it's really like and then in this interview they're like well real war is kind of too boring for us so we had to make up one i think that's an interesting point i don't know if it's a good point or one i agree with but i definitely would entertain it more than uh we didn't want to be political so we made shit up you know what I'm saying? Like, the idea of being, like, real war is too lopsided yeah, for fun I, video games. It's like, all right, that's an interesting idea to unpack. Well, that's, I mean, that's what, like, uh, y- you know, if you ever hear, like, someone talk about what real war is like, especially, you know, modern wars, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like we sit there yeah. and don't do anything for weeks, and then for an hour, there is the most terrifying experience a person has ever had. And it's like, that doesn't translate to a video game. Um so it's, yeah, it's interesting to hear. And and that, I think that's a good segue into talking about the parts of the game, you know, parts of the game that I think you found most boring and I found interesting, but yeah, strange, which is there are, there are several levels in this uh, when you are playing essentially as the U.S. military where you are just being kind of swarmed at a an overwhelming level by just number of enemy combatants where you're you're trying to get down a street or you're trying to protect a crashed helicopter or whatever and there are just like dozens and dozens and dozens of of enemies that are running at you are these the parts that you were like this sucks for the most part i mean i I found a lot pretty much all of it boring but this was the most boring where it's like at what point is the game just going to tell me I'm done in this fucking room? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's too much mm-hmm. that it it loses the tension when I'm on the 40th dude in an yeah. arena, you know? Yeah, and and I I felt the same. What, what Racevic said about this, which I thought was an interesting point, though I'm not sure I agree, is um, that he said that you know there are this many people because you are so capable in this game and not only are you capable but you have a whole you know you were usually with kind of like a a group of of guys who were all pretty efficient um that it feels like you need to be completely overwhelmed for the enemy to even kind of stand a chance which is uh true given how accurate your guns are and how big your clips are and how easy it is to like kill an individual person in this um but for me the the feeling of these levels was are you familiar with the uh the old michael kane movie zulu no uh this is this is a movie from uh i'm looking it up uh it's a 1964 movie um i would i would describe it as uh almost astonishingly racist um or or at least like a, a a just like colonialist wet dream where it is the story of like british army in uh somewhere in africa fighting fighting like a a group of tribal people and what the movie's famous for and they are kind of striking to watch in this like old movie uh 
you know, production ways is there are scenes where there are just like hundreds of Zulus running at the British fortress and and the movie is kind of selling the idea that like hey the british are they're technologically advanced they've got all this you know this shit they're set up but will they be overwhelmed by simply the sheer number of people that they're fighting and that's basically what i felt playing this is that is that they were like individually these people are meaningless but it's just it's just like a you know an ant colony that there are just millions of them and you have to kill all of them and uh, uh politically that made me pretty uncomfortable <laughs> i have to say yeah it, it's definitely like if that's the lens you're looking at it through which i think is a good one it maybe intentionally or not is hinting at the racist stereotypes about overpopulation and asia and parts of the middle east which is like there's just expendable amounts of people over here yeah and also that like individually they are insignificant you know that it's like these people only matter in numbers um i i think there's also a bit of like because you can go in and capably handle such insurmountable odds ostensibly there's uh the american badass trope which uh, friend of the show, Zach Fraser, wrote about with RE4 very eloquently. Yeah, though I do think, I think that's actually the politically maybe best part of the game because, like, that gets fucked at the end of sure, it. Sure, You know, sure. like, that that it's so... What I think is actually really interesting about the story is you have these kind of two different perspectives on warfare and your, like, your missions with, with Price are generally pretty quiet mm -hmm. and they're kind of like using technology you're going in stealthy you're using night vision goggles all of this and the ones where you're the americans you are riding in fucking right. flight of the valkyries like <laughs> 700 helicopters yeah. and then the americans are the ones who get blown up by right. a nuke so it's like their their bombast does not work their kind of badassery fails i agree and I think, like, this game maybe more than especially later Call of Duties has at least a couple things to say about war and, like, American interventionism and stuff like that. I also mm -hmm. think it's unavoidable that you spend the first hour and a half of this game playing Kid Rock American Badass <laughs> killing brown That's people, right. you know? Like, it flips in a, it's yeah. on its script, but it doesn't take away that you have to play four levels of this shit. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. So what are, what are some interesting... Uh, levels of this i do think the opening another another famous bit of this game that i had not like played but i i knew was um that opening car ride where you are you are essentially the president of of a foreign country and you get pulled into this car and again it's it's kind of like half-life it's like going through this big you know like when you're when you're in the tram car or something and you're looking around and you can see all this happening and it is impressive still just, like, how much stuff is going on and how much it really feels like you are being taken on a car ride through a city in the midst of, like, a, you know, a violent uh, revolution or coup or something. Um, and then you... You you get you get there and the terrorist leader uh, uh, pops you in the head and it kind of begins. I don't know if it begins because I don't know if this happens in Call of Duty one or two, but the now classic 
Call of Duty thing of like, you're going to be playing as a character and then you're going to watch them die. And that's going to happen a bunch of times. Uh, but I did think it was interesting that you didn't even know that you were that country's president until like the next loading screen. It's genuinely like kind of a, a wild scene to watch play out and just theorize about like, I don't know. I mean, obviously there have been numerous assassinations of presidents around the world but like <laughs> i found myself kind of like thinking like what if something on this scale happened where they broadcast it to the world with like modern tech and then that's how a war started like it is kind of a fascinating impetus for this game's story and its fictional war is like the yeah <laughs> frankly rottenness of the situation and the assassination is fucking nuts mm -hmm. yeah but they hey they made a snuff film and uh, <laughs> yeah actually. And th that started a war well, no, they broadcast uh, it. On, they, you didn't have to pay for it. You just got that for free on TV. That's true. Um, I also, I thought the the opening lines of this game were pretty interesting and and kind of speak to the worldview that they have, where I think it's it's Price or someone who's like, hey, good news, the world's doing just great. And it's like this sarcastic uh, comment that is basically implying, well, we all know that war is just kind of happening at all times now you know that that his his implication and what those opening loading screens tell you is like there's conflict everywhere you know and and here's the one that we're talking about now is it the last one certainly not but like that's you know that's just what the life of a soldier is now is just managing the conflict that's happening all over the place all the time we should talk about uh this game is the introduction of video game standby beloved character soap mctavish um yeah what the hell kind of name is Soap? yeah that's right um also uh though it's not the introduction of price he's actually from one of the world war ii games um mm -hmm. but soap mctavish you start the game with him and you have to do a um a training section like military training which i only yeah. just realized uh they vince sampella and the other people who went on to respawn added to Titanfall 2, this this idea of a replayable training section before the game begins. Yes, yeah, and I mean, and the Titanfall 2 one is maybe the best anyone yeah. has ever done it because people are still, like, trying to get world records in that. Yeah. But yeah, it is this, you know, it's a fairly, it's a fairly immersive opening. Um, I like, I like the thing. Here is something that, uh, getting into gameplay a little bit, that blew my mind when I heard about it, uh, in 2007 and still i think is kind of still blows my mind is the concept of of bullet penetration yeah which i believe this game largely originated yeah. um is is kind of crazy you know and and i remember reading in the game informer article and i like found where they said it and it, it still sounded so exciting where they were like like, you know, if you were hiding behind wood walls, that is not going to stop a bullet. Yeah. And and just the like it kind of it adds to the chaos, it kind of adds to the strategy, but it is it, it is pointing towards in some ways just what like a technical marvel this game was, that they were like doing all this stuff that I had just never heard of before in a first person shooter. It also like helps alleviate an issue I think a lot of pop stop and pop games have which is waiting for the enemy to pop up you know which is just like mm -hmm. you're at the whims of ai and the ability to be like oh he's in front of drywall 
I can just shoot the drywall. I won't know exactly where he is, but like eventually you see him like fall over. Like it's a really smart implementation that I wish more games had. Like I know it's in other games, but you do not. It's not like a sweeping change that hit the industry. No, and and it you know it adds to because you're largely using automatic weapons. It's not like oh if he's behind this like. You can see him, but his head's technically behind this piece of a fence, so you can't shoot him. You know, all that is is taken out. And one of the one of the you know interesting context things for this is prior to this, most modern military games were uh, quote unquote tactical shooters. Yeah. You know, like the the modern things were like Tom Clancy, like you know Rainbow Six Vegas stuff like that. And and so what I I thought was interesting in their pitch for this game was them saying, look, it's not a tactical shooter. You know, you you are not going to be ordering people around. You're not going to be, like, executing complex strategy. You're just going to be a guy on the ground essentially playing through the movie of this game. It's going to be like you're a character in Black Hawk Down or whatever. And that's not that's not really a distinction that I feel like we talk about that much anymore. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it was just surprising to think of, like, well, previously, if you were making a modern military game, it was going to be, quote-unquote, tactical. And this introduced the kind of more cinematic yeah. version of, of military games. I think that's a really smart and eloquent way to put that. And now, to be a dumb guy about it, it means I'm playing the game like Doom, and it rolls. <laughs> I am just uh-huh. running... Like, there's no, like, I'm not taking cover half the time. I'm just running at dudes full force, shooting them in the head. It's great. I'm also playing on Recruit so that I can blast them. Yeah, and I do I do think this game gets very hard uh, very quickly when you, when you kind of pump that difficulty up. Okay, here's a good point to just throw in a couple moments where this game is fucking bullshit. One, like, one bullet can put you down. It's just something you have to deal with. The cars in this game drive me nuts. Because you have to spend a lot of time next to cars, taking cover near cars, reloading behind cars. The game does such a bad job of indicating when the car is on fire, which means it will blow up. It's basically like, if you're not in the exact right spot, you will never see it. And then you are just dead. You get that loading screen that's like, hey, you were killed by an exploding car. Watch out for those. Buddy, I know. It drives me insane. Or the amount of times your AI partners just run in front of your firing gun. And then you get friendly fire will not be accepted. And it's like, oh, shut the fuck uh-huh. up. And at one point, a Vladimir Putin line popped up in the loading screen. I was like, I didn't age. Well, it probably wasn't good to put in there then, but it definitely is bad now. Yeah, it's like the current ones are still bad. <laughs> yeah. So, But again, that's another thing that's like, oh, my God, they had this just so nailed down. Is like the loading screens in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that came out in 2022 are the same as these i think that might be an original call of duty thing yeah that they had them in but my get did they have were they dated or did they still have like colin powell saying shit about war i don't remember there's there's one that cracks me up the quote is like friendly fire isn't and then it's attributed to unknown and i'm like dude shut up that was a intern at your company like you do not have yeah, to it's also it's always so funny when they attribute it to like anonymous and it's like okay <laughs> yeah like who, whatever who said that vince vince was these was he dropping that line like come on i hate those a part that i i assume we both liked or still find interesting ac 130 yeah the attack attack song that's... off their second album song goes hard 
Shots out to Attack on Titan. This is the the kind of undercurrent of something rotten. It's just learning about Blake's musical taste. I um, I wouldn't say I like Attack Attack, but I thought that album was conceptually interesting, and they had a song called AC One Thirty that was pretty cool. Anyway, so this is this is another one of those things that it's just like, oh my god, they they got the they got it in one mm-hmm. you know that that in essentially every call of duty since this one there has been a a mission like this where you are providing air support to people on the ground and have any of them been significantly more interesting than this one i don't think so i ca- i kind of don't think so and i um i i have a i have a few points of production history here for us this comes from a piece written on u.s gamer by one blake hester um oh. about the history of no russian but and that i worked on this piece with katie mccarthy so i want to shout her out because she actually did the interviews for it and i wrote the piece it was a it's an interesting way to do a piece um but anyway she talked to jesse stern and they were talking about you know what if we did a ac-130 mission a populated area originally as opposed to you're kind of in like a russian countryside um and the original ideas for this level were imagining horror movie scenarios and world war three scenarios of what would happen this is a quote by the way for that type of power to be unleashed in a city and originally the level was going to actually be placed in moscow which is wow you can call your game apolitical if you want but that would have been charged uh-huh. um as a zombie-like outbreak ravaged the city um, the goal would have been to contain the virus and have the player blow up bridges and tunnels. And then there was, of course, in that conversation, well, you got to blow up the airport. Um, anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, eventually they didn't want to do that. And the only thing that stuck around was this prospect of killing civilians in a Russian airport. Um, that is, I mean, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So that's how um, kind of the AC-130 mission started here and how we later got to know Russian in the next game. Because I do think, and this is going to, uh, we talked about this a little in one of our bonus episodes where we were asked about uh, like kind of distant warfare or whatever. Um, This feels, if you want to give the game credit, I think this is its biggest statement on modern military you know because because like why the ac-130 mission is so kind of gripping and and just like still still really works as a moment is that after being in the shit for so long suddenly you are totally removed from danger you know and and you have you have like a a guy who's telling you that you hit the targets or not and it essentially feels like you're at a shooting range. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's talking about you killing people. It's just like, oh, yeah, sweep them clean. Yeah. You know, like pretty monotone. You shoot a truck. He's like, yeah, confirmed kill, whatever. And and the you know, they don't in later games, they give you the option to look at it in kind of real satellite imagery. But in this one, it's only thermals, which really makes it feel both uh like it, it it's less photorealistic but in a way it makes it feel more accurate because you're kind of imagining the detail while looking at it through thermals and it is this kind of idea that like this is what modern combat is is not you know 
individual men being heroes on the ground, but just, like, a, a, a god in a machine that is just, like, raining down shells on people who could never in a million years shoot back. Yeah. And so playing it, it is this really striking moment, but as we talked about, they they have so kind of muddied this moment by then just being like, hey, AC-130, the, every Call of Duty game, yeah. 11 kills in multiplayer, you get an AC-130, yeah. baby. In Call of Duty 3, you're going to you're gonna play a, you know, or in Modern Warfare 2, you play an AC-130, and not only do you shoot everyone, you fucking blow apart the whole village, and the destruction is going to be, you know, like nothing you've ever seen. And, and, and it feels like this statement is something, and it has become nothing right because of like the way that the series has treated it so jacob uh you want to talk about shock sites real quick <laughs> oh so, all day um right around i guess probably before maybe a couple of years before call of duty would have come out so around the time they were making it um is when like actual ac-130 or just like that type of satellite imagery plane imagery was hitting the internet of middle eastern conflicts um mm -hmm. and People were confronted by the way the way war had kind of become detached. You know, obviously people are dying on the ground, but the people doing it are in planes way above the sky, firing dots on a infrared screen, and often using Xbox controllers. Yeah, and so that it, that stuff was hitting places like LiveLeak, YouTube, etc. It was, um, if not very immediately graphically disturbing very uh what would what's the word you would use like conceptually philosophically disturbing maybe yeah. so this um i dug up the transcript from katie's jason west interview that we used for that no russian piece where he talks about that and he says you know the this was the early days of youtube and you're starting to see these videos of actual warfare in almost real time which was shocking we would watch these videos of um tank units who would have killing videos set to thrash metal um so obviously a little different than the ac-130 and the frightening power of what was actually happening in the world and wasn't what wasn't actually on the news which was so shocking and weird that all of this stuff was so readily available and not being broadcast um the ac-130 gunship level in modern warfare was you had to active actually seek it out and the people who were seeking it out tended to fetishize it in a way and so like it's worth saying some of these levels are statements on yes the industrial yeah. complex like that is the one of the lead writers on the first and second modern warfare that's straight from the the horse's mouth there and i think you see that most evidently in ac-130 where especially if you were playing it in 2007 you would have seen it as this is directly taking inspiration from those videos that were hitting but they were going a step beyond infinity ward and looking at you know the glorification of war online or how he puts it the fetishization and trying to make some quasi-statement with this game, which I think there are definitely points where it lands. It There's also, like, <laughs> multiplayer of Call of Duty will, I think, inherently kind of suck the wind out of those sails occasionally. And also, the more the right. military actively got involved with Call of Duty, any statement there might have ever been seemed to get washed away over time. But it was here. Yeah, well... Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's interesting just kind of thinking about, like, how far would they be willing to take that statement? You know, like, like it is shocking. We can all agree that it's shocking. Would anyone then say 
it's bad, you know, that like, like, would they kind of come out against the drone strikes, you know, or, or is the perspective just like, our picture of war is different yeah. than what it actually is. And, uh, you know, I, I won't, I won't make that assumption for any of the writers, sure. but it is, you know, like, we can all agree that it's shocking. And then, mm -hmm. uh, where you go from there kind of determines uh, ideology. I'll take this stance. I do think drone strikes are bad. Oh, very brave. And I actually, you know what? I'd like to hand it to Russia, who yesterday used one of their jets to take down one of our drones. I think that was a good move. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I neither confirm nor deny any stance uh, related to that position. Um, you don't need to confirm or deny it. I just did it. <laughs> Oh, you're right. Okay. Uh, I neither condone nor uh, not condone. Um, you want to talk about the nuke? Yeah. Are, dude, there, are this... there any other big gameplay things in the middle of there? I mean, no. there's. I was surprised how much the night vision in this game resembled, you know, clean house yeah. and those kind of levels from the new Modern Warfare. Just how, again, how similar it was that, that uh, the series kind of got it in one. Um, but the nuke. I, is the nuke like the most important uh, moment in kind of uh, COD's history in terms of like campaign storytelling? No, I think that's probably all gillied up actually. But mm -hmm. the nuke is definitely the loudest statement in Call of Duty history, I feel like, because it's, I mean, unless you're playing Mercenaries 2, that's kind of like stopping the nuke is the narrative endpoint of a lot of games like this, you know, right. like Metal Gear Solid 5. They've been trying to de-arm those nukes for 10 years. So for Call of Duty to do it not even halfway through the campaign is nothing if not a statement of this is a new approach to war gaming, you know, like, yeah, because in a lesser game, the last mission would have stopped with you disarming a nuke. And this one kills yeah. you and your entire hoorah brotherhood with it. Yeah, so I was kind of, I was thinking about the the statement of the nuke mm -hmm. or kind of like the, the purpose of the nuke. And, and one that we've already talked about is it is, uh, I think it is intentionally ironic or, or subverting your expectations in that the Americans seem like the most... Uh, powerful, invincible force in the game. They've got so many helicopters. Their tech is so much better. You know, you're riding in there. You feel unstoppable. Yeah. And then the nuke blows up. Oh, wow, they are unstoppable. But I do think w w the other important thing, and this is, again, where it gets more politically, uh, you know, dicey or whatever, is it essentially establishes stakes for the entire series going forward. Like not yeah. not just this game, but the the statement that hey, you know what happens if the bad guy wins? They will detonate a nuke in a populated city. And and kind of like with that in mind, this is this is what I talked about in my the Call of Duty video that I made years ago or whatever, but it's like when those are the stakes, literally anything is acceptable in response. Right. You know, like the, um, when, when I was in my, my like high school, you know, psychology classes or whatever, we would talk about like, Hey, are you opposed to torture? Well, what if you knew that, there was a nuke in New York, and you could stop it by torturing a guy. Wouldn't you torture then? Would you torture you know, and like, baby Hitler? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I would easily. Um, but it's, you know, it is it is this thing where, 
again, it's it's their kind of the reason that they made up a war is so they can give us an enemy right. that is more capable. And this is kind of the the extreme point of that is like this enemy is so capable and so evil that they will kill millions of people if given the opportunity and so stopping them takes precedence over any other like idea of war you might have and and so i think it is just like it's an incredibly effective moment in the campaign but i also just think like for modern call of duty this moment is is where they kind of show what the stakes are just in modern combat because they can't do that with world war ii they can't have someone blow up a nuke we already know like what the stakes are i think also like sets a precedent for the dangerous worldview of call of duty and a certain subsect of its fans where you believe Mm -hmm. that those stakes are real and look i i I recognize i'm saying this as the world is the closest it's ever been to another nuke going off since world war ii maybe hey cuban missile crisis that's true yeah yeah that's true but like, also a nuke hasn't gone off since World War Two. That like, but I think mm-hmm. it's like it is such a fear of people that like North Korea is going to nuke their small town in Kansas. Yeah, that like this validates people who play Call of Duty because there's a direct pipeline from playing Call of Duty to people joining the military. I think this validates certain levels of paranoia and xenophobia that people have and i don't know if that was the intended reason to do it in cod 4 but i think no one has stopped preying on that in later cod games and the military getting involved like i'm not gonna sit here and say they put a nuke in the game yeah i mean you don't you don't have to assume their their intentions but i do think i mean it, it goes back to that statement about like what's modern war an ied blows off a humvee tire because it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you know what happened when we uh, invaded uh, to to uh, invaded foreign countries to find nukes? We didn't find nukes. Yeah, you know, it's like it's actually the one thing they didn't have fucking going on. Yeah. And so, and this this game is like, but what if they did? What if George Bush wasn't just lying to the American public? Call of Duty Four could have just been called Validating Bush. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. So it is, you know, like as. In a vacuum, as a storytelling moment, I think it is pretty extraordinary. Like, I do really think that it works within the story of the game. But it's just, like, it's taken on such a a life of its own, you know? Yeah, I mean, talking about the way the nuke happens, like, it builds up in an incredibly effective way. You're in in this Middle Eastern area. You're you're, you're going about some conflict with a tank. You're, like, escorting a tank, which I feel like is a little weird. It's a fucking tank, can't it? figure this out on its own I'm escort like, itself I, yeah i'm just a guy anyway um and at some point overcome someone's like hey we we got we got some intel that maybe al-assad who is the um main antagonist of this game might have a nuke uh so chill with that information for a while and yeah but you kind of hear that and you're like uh whatever yeah. i mean you hear it in the same way that's like north korea maybe has a nuke and it's yeah. kind of like well what am i supposed to do about that yeah 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 <laughs> like you wake up every morning and north korea's just fired another missile over japan it's like well okay um but you're going about the mission you're getting in the helicopter flying away flying away and uh, over the comm repeatedly people are like hey that intel's looking pretty confirmed think there might be mm-hmm. a nuke and y'all maybe you should wrap this whole thing up um there's a helicopter crash and at that point, they're like, you got 90 seconds or this nuke is going off. Like, save your friends. Or they if- say, 
yeah, they say, like, you if you stop to save your friend, you won't be at a safe distance yeah. if it goes off. And again, you're kind of like, you know, even knowing it's going to happen, you're like, yeah, but like a nuke's not going to go off. Come on now. Interesting trolley problem. Do I save this uh, NPC I don't know or uh, get myself out of the blast radius of, of a nuke? Um, anyway, the nuke goes off and it's it's crazy. Like I'm playing it. Granted, the remastered. How did it look for you? It's the the difference is really interesting. I think because the the remaster makes it more. You know how. You know, like movie explosions. Yeah. How movie explosions are very, uh, they're very fiery because they're full of like gasoline because yeah. that's what they've used to make the explosion. And if you see like a grenade go off in real life. It's just kind of like, and and yeah. there's no there's no fire. It's just like exploded. The remastered nuke is so much angrier looking. You yeah. know, it's like it's a very fiery red. And I look, I I I'm a twenty something year old boy. Like I've watched videos of nukes going off on the internet my whole life, but I still can't really say. You know, the the one in the original is while not subtle because it is a nuclear bomb going off. Right. It's not quite as, like, graffiti painting of a mushroom cloud sure. as the one in, in Remastered. And again, it's like, I kind of can't decide which one I like more. And I think I kind of like that it's a little underplayed. Like, when you crawl out of the uh, of the helicopter after it's crashed, because you have, like, you know, 30 seconds to play as a guy before he dies, like, in, in the nuclear bomb... In the remaster, you look up, and it's just, like, looking into the eye of God. You know, it's just this, like, enormous nuclear cloud. And in the in the original, it's you just kind of feel like you're in the middle of, like, a hurricane or, mm. or something. And so it's, it's an interesting difference. There's—so I wanted to talk about seeing that, that, that mushroom cloud, because I do think there's—let me say up front, firmly against— the possession of nukes by any country and even more so against the use of nukes, whether for tests or on don't do it cities. I don't think they should exist. Oppenheimer, as far as I'm concerned, he deserved to feel bad about that shit. Sorry, bro. Cancel that man. Rest in piss, brother. Gonna go see that movie though. Looks cool. They, they, <laughs> and then Barbie. <laughs> they faked a, a real nuke. I don't understand how no, no one's done it again. Anyway, uh, one thing I, as a man who just yesterday decided to watch some nuclear test footage, one thing I think people don't know about nukes is how tall a mushroom cloud is. It's like, mm -hmm. it's astro it, it, it's big on a scale that's hard to comprehend. Yeah. And so I like in this game where you look up and it's the biggest thing ever put in a, it's like the biggest JPEG any developers ever put in their fucking video game. <laughs> he is yeah. on such an unbelievable scale that I'm like, I hope I never see a, a nuke in real life. That probably won't be good. I assume that's how it might feel though, to look up at a mushroom cloud before I choke no, to I, death. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a great point. And we are, we are both uh, boys who love big things. We're yeah. always sending like statues or, or like pictures of a big statue or whatever. And it's like, I've certainly watched, you know, that, that video of like the, the Tsar Boma, you know, the like biggest nuke ever oh, detonated. Dude. And you can like look at those graphs of like how high the, uh, the mushroom cloud was. And it's like, yeah, there is, there is just some kind of primal thing where it's like, 
it's big, you know? I just want to see it. It's big. And so it does, you know, it... This scene stands out for a number of reasons, and one is, like, I am curious what it would look like to be in the yeah. middle of a nuclear blast. I just uh, don't don't ever want to find out. There was, um, I assume the one you're talking about is that Russian nuke that they yep. put off, which, like, they mm-hmm. said they had net. There was no intent of ever using it in war. It basically was like a power flex to be like, look at how big we can build a bomb. And they had plans yeah. to build one that was double that. Have you heard of this? Yeah. And they couldn't, the planes they currently have, I don't, this was like the 60s or something, but the planes they had back then, they had no plane fast enough to drop the nuke that it would be able to escape the blast of how big this thing would be. And I was like, that's Oppenheimer, you bastard. Do you know that uh, there was, this was never, it, it never even got past like just someone suggesting it. But again, during during the Cold War, during the time when it was like, hey, we should just show the other side how strong we are. Uh, the U.S. Uh, theorized, what if we detonated a nuke kind of on the the curve of the moon? So then like in Russia, if you looked up, you would like see the mushroom cloud. So holy uh, shit. You yeah, know, I, the listeners lots lots of people not... throwing out fucking stupid ideas. It's really, it's that David Cross thing of like America can, uh, must and will blow up the moon. <laughs> like, yes. it was just, that was a real thing that someone thought about for a little uh, bit. Let me reiterate, Oppenheimer, bad dude, as far as I'm concerned. Him feeling guilty does not wipe away those sins. We almost blew up the moon. Um, uh, here's here's an interesting line from the Game Informer article. I don't know who wrote this. You know, game game writing has come a long way. Yeah, um, we include were, bylines now. <laughs> they were they were writing about uh about the villain, and they said uh, the game had some disturbing imagery that suggested this foe is as brutal and despicable as the Third Reich ever was. <laughs> it's just like oh okay, so you know. You know those people who did a holocaust? These guys just as bad. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and issue a retraction nearly 20 years later <laughs> on behalf of whoever wrote, thank god we didn't put bylines on things. Uh the man made out of pixels who launched a fake nuke on a fake city not as bad as the third reich actually. So that's a that's game informer's official re- retraction, correction and stance. Video game enemies not as bad <laughs> oh, as boy. Hitler. Here's an interesting thing from that article. They said that they saw the executable name, uh, and it was just COD 3. Oh, interesting. So, like, clearly Infinity Ward was like, well, this is the third Call of Duty. Like, Call of Duty 3 doesn't count. Interesting little bit of game journalism there, as far as I'm concerned. That's fun. I like that. A little little fun. Um, Okay, so next week, all I know is coming up is all gillied up in one shot, one kill. I know we're going to go to Chernobyl and shoot a guy from really far away. Right. Um... And it might not be very fun, because I remember not liking that level. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, I I know the word Coriolis effect from watching videos of that mission. Uh, Yeah, what are, I mean, halfway through, are you you dreading the second half of this game? Because you found the first half uninteresting? Because I'm wondering if I also found the first half uninteresting, and it was the back half where shit got more interesting for me. Like, I'm still, like waiting to find whatever it was about this game that like just three or four years ago kind of knocked my little socks off. So it's like, it has Mm -hmm. to still be there. It's weird that I would have flipped the script so quickly. So I know I want to play more for sure. 
I'm also glad Private Jackson is gone because the the voice actors in the those sections were really bad and they're all dead now. I I mean I will say just as I there's a whole category of kind of gaming I do that I think of doing my game homework where it's it's like the same as reading a classic novel where it's just like you know what even if I'm not that interested in this it is important for me to have this grounding um and this is uh I mean Maybe we can talk about this more next week, but like one of the most influential games that have come out in the 21st century, you know, like it would it would be hard to think of a game that's had a larger impact on kind of the the gaming culture now at large. Um, And so I like I am really enjoying this experience, even if I am not, you know, so into just clicking on bad guys heads. Oh, yeah. I'm more, excuse me, sorry. I'm more excited at this point to play World at War. I've never played that game, um, and I'm very mm-hmm. fascinated to see because that's the one immediately after this, right? Yes. Yeah. I I think conceptually that's very fascinating to be like, how did you follow that up with a World War Two game? Like, where do you mm-hmm. take that? So, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so we will discuss that the second half of Modern Warfare next week. World at War the week after that. Uh, for Blake Hester. My name is Jacob Geller. Uh, hey, everyone, if you got a nuke, you're thinking about setting it off, don't do it. Uh, aside from that, though, check this one out, Jacob. Stay frosty. Woohoo!